How can you plan ahead to protect your home as you age? Find out right now on the next On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This on-air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's topic is planning ahead to protect your home. We'll discuss the planning you need to do to make sure you know how you can adapt your home to make it more safe as you become more frail, how to figure out how much you need to have in reserve to deal with the big items like the furnace, the roof, as well as smaller adaptations, how to figure out how much you might need to provide for home care later in life, and understanding the possible funding sources such as home equity line of credit, reverse mortgages, and the state home modification loan program. With us to discuss all of this is Myrick O'Connell, elder law attorney, Arthur Bergeron. Arthur, it's great to have you back. It's great to be on. It's great to be on. Great. So the first question is, how do I figure out a budget for how much I might need to maintain and modify my home as I age? So that's a, you know, that's a great question. And I think it's something that folks benefit from because everybody has this. Yeah, Everybody has got a home, has got kind of this cloud hanging over them of like, geez, I really want to stay at home forever, but you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford it. So my message to folks is, first of all, look at your home, not the way kind of it is, but the way it could be and what kinds of needs you may have as you age, right? Um, Those needs, it may result in just maybe from increased frailty. It may be that you just need more access. The The typical home has a second floor to it. Um, if you get more frail, how do you make sure that that part of your home stays useful? You know, what would it cost if you were doing really basic safety things like putting in grab bars and dealing with things around the house so that your living in the house is going to be safe enough that you're not at risk of, you know, greater risk of falling and ended up in a nursing home by, by virtue of being home. Now, what I tell people is what you ought to do is talk to a professional who can come in to look at your house they may be going to charge you a couple hundred dollars. Not, they're not going to charge you a lot. And, and figure out how, what possible improvements you could make to your house. You don't have to do them now, right? If you're still feeling great, right? Uh, if you are starting to get older, though, and you're starting to you know, feel a little more frail, then maybe you want to do them now. But the point is you don't have to do them now, but you need to know the price. Then look at your, the, the mechanical systems in your house, the big items that could really hurt you. You know, how much, what would it cost if the furnace went? What would it cost if the hot water heater went? Is your roof new enough that you know, you know you're not going to need to replace it over the next 10 or 20 years, right? If, if that's not the case, right, then how much would it cost in today's dollars to take care of those things? So now you have kind of a budget. And, and I know in a, in, a, in a number of the communities where I do um, seminar presentations this month, I estimated that that total cost looked like about $100,000, right? Hmm. But the point is, whatever it is, you want to feel comfortable with it, right? Right. So how should I compare getting, say, a home equity line of credit versus getting a reverse mortgage, for instance? 
So, so in that kind of, and that goes to the next question. Once you've figured out your budget, right? Then the question is, do you already have enough? You know, so that now that now you know, you know, look, looking at your savings, looking at your IRA, looking at whatever that you've got enough money in reserve, so that if these things pop up, you can just pay for them out of cash, right? If you don't, then why don't you use your house because your goal is to stay in your house until you die, right? Why don't you use your house to make sure that that money is going to be available? And the and the two obvious ways uh, are, as you mentioned, Howard, a line of credit and a reverse mortgage. And they are basically the same thing. I think that's the thing that folks need to focus on. They're basic, a line of credit and a reverse mortgage are basically the same thing. A, a line of credit, a home equity line of credit, also often referred to as a HELOC, when you talk, you could call the bank or if you're looking on their website, that's probably what it's going to be called, mm-hmm. is simply, uh, it's like a big credit card that's secured by your home. So it is a it, an agreement with you, between you and the bank that you can draw up to a particular amount of money at any time, at any time. And typically that amount is, is based on a percentage of the value of the house, often 75% of the, of the value of the house. That's called the so-called loan to value ratio. And the, the deal is that if you do the promissory note with this line of credit uh, agreement and you secure that line of credit agreement with a mortgage on your house, but as long as you haven't pulled any of the money out, as long as you haven't borrowed any, there's no interest accruing on any of the money. So, so that now you have your line of credit. So now you don't have to worry that if two or three or five years from now you need this money at that, then at that point you have to go through this whole mortgage process. You can just write a check. Right. So that's a that's a great feature. Now, there are a couple of disadvantages, though, to the to the traditional home loan line of credit. So the first one is once you've written that check, once you've borrowed some money from then on in, interest does start accruing. uh, And the interest is only based on the amount that you borrowed. So so if you have a two hundred thousand dollar line of credit and you've already only borrowed fifty thousand dollars, the interest only accrues on that fifty thousand dollars. However, the interest is due and payable um, every month. And if you fail to make those payments, then you're in default and the bank can foreclose on the mortgage. So that's one issue. The second issue is that 10 years following the date on which you've done the line of credit agreement, typically the line, the, the, these interest-only payments turn into regular principal and interest payments. So your payment goes up significantly at the end of that 10-year period. So that if you're putting this line of credit into into place, thinking that you may need it way ahead, way way in the future, you may find yourself five or six or seven years later using the line of credit, but the monthly payments are only going to run interest only for another few years, and then they're going to turn into much bigger payments, right? Mm-hmm. And finally, if, like many of my clients, you're, you're needing to deal also with this or you're wanting to deal with this issue of how do I protect my house in the future – in case I need to qualify for Mass Health, the Massachusetts name for the Medicaid program. So, if in the future you decide that you want to do, protect your house by transferring a so-called remainder interest in your house to your children or to an irrevocable trust or to anybody, that transfer is going to be a violation of that mortgage. So, there are some positives to the line of credit, um, but if you're evaluating this, you then want to compare that line, those line of credit positives to reverse mortgage. A reverse mortgage is really, in many ways, exactly the same as the home equity line of credit. You're doing a line of credit agreement with the bank. 
You're securing that line of credit agreement with a mortgage on your house. Uh, there is no interest that accrues on the line of credit until you actually borrowed some money. And from then on in, the, the, the interest starts accruing. The nice part about the reverse mortgage, though, is that, um, first of all, those monthly interest payments, if you can't make them, simply then get added to the amount that you owe in principal. And so the following month, your payment goes up by a very small amount. But you never have to make a payment on the reverse mortgage until you either sell the property uh, or until one year after you've died. If you're worried that in the future, at the very time when you may be really wanting to stay in the house by spending this money, you may be having trouble making the extra payments that would be necessary for or on a regular line of credit or a, uh, a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, then the reverse mortgage may provide you with more assurance that you're going to be okay at that point. Second thing is that from a mass health planning perspective, if you have uh, done a reverse mortgage and then you later decide that you want to protect your home for mass health protection purposes, by transferring an interest in the house, a remainder interest in the house mm -hmm. to your kids or to an irrevocable trust. Right. You can do that with the reverse mortgage. Um, the, the doing that does not trigger any default, uh, as far as the reverse mortgage is concerned. So there are some, there are some benefits to doing it. Now, the disadvantage to the reverse mortgage is that the closing costs are much higher than the home equity line of credit. You can probably do a home equity line of credit for, $1,000. The reverse mortgage is going to be the amount that you pay up front is based on the, the total value of your house, but it may be as high as $15,000. So it's a much higher closing cost. However, what many people do with their reverse mortgage, if they're doing, if they're doing the strategy that I just suggested, is they're simply paying those closing costs out of the reverse mortgage which means that every month after you've done the reverse mortgage, there's this very small interest amount that shows up based on the interest on that $15,000. And you don't have to pay it until after you die. So so it isn't like you're paying it out of pocket, but many people are turned off by that. So you, you want to weigh that out. You just, If you're figuring out the source of funds, those are the natural two sources of funds. And what about the state home modification loan program, Arthur? So this is like a great program um, that very few people use. This program has been in existence now for at least a decade. Uh, and in its current form, if you have a what is very broadly defined as a disability, in other words, if you need some changes to your house to accommodate the fact that you're having some trouble getting around in some way, right? then you can apply to this state-run home modification program. It's a great program. Uh, it is like a reverse mortgage. The amount that you can borrow in order to do these modifications, home modifications is up to $50,000. You pay zero interest unless your income is extremely high, unless your income, if you're a couple, is over $100,000. It's it, like no interest. Uh, there are no payments that are owed on this modification program until you sell the house or until you die. So it's it's just a terrific program if you know that you know you need these modifications now. 
And so you don't want to do a line of credit because you're not wanting to hold off until the future to do the modifications. Because if you apply for this program, you get accepted, then then you're going to be getting all the money from the through the home modification program to do these modifications right away. But it's a great program. And once again, it's secured by a mortgage on your house. And as opposed to the reverse mortgage, because in the reverse mortgage case, the reverse mortgage lender is going to want to have the first mortgage on your house. In the case of the home modification program, that can be a second mortgage on that. So you can have an existing first mortgage and still get these funds through a second mortgage so that if you've got these changes that you want to make, you don't have to refinance your existing mortgage in order to get this other other loan. So it's a wonderful program. It, it sounds it. Now, just switching gears a little bit, how does one budget for home care? So... Once again, if you're like so many of my folks, you know, Frank and I always use this example of my friends, Frank and Mary, whose goal is to live in their house until they die. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things about living in their house until you die is you want to make sure it doesn't fall down. And that's why you want to budget for those kinds of improvements. But you may also want to budget for the fact that at some point, if you're, if you're Mary and you're become more frail and Frank is about your age. So, you know, you can't be asking Frank to be, you know, doing a lot of stuff to help you around the house because he may not be able to do it, right? So the question is, how much do you need to budget for in order to make sure that if you if you do get to that point where you, where you need some assistance, there's going to be money for that assistance? So what I, I often talk, I'm talking to people about this because, of course, this is also a big worry. You know, you're trying to stay home for the rest of your life. So how much money do you really need? So what I often tell people is, look, figure that on the high side, if you were paying for assistance, you'd be paying about $25 an hour. And figure that you're probably, when you get to that, to need a lot of care, you're probably not going to have the money to have 24-hour care, 24-7 care. If you get to that point, you're probably not going to be able to stay in your home. Right. But there is some amount of care that you may need, even though you're basically still able to kind of get around. So think about your day and think about what do you do during your day for which you might really need care in the future. You might need care with dressing. You might need care with taking a shower. And maybe you figure you can do it by yourself, but do you really want to take that risk? You know, you might need care with toileting. Right. You, you might need perhaps even care with eating. But all of those things, if you had all of that care, that would probably only take someone about four hours a day. The time would have to be broken up. You know, you'd want someone to come in for breakfast. You may want to have a snack for lunch. And, you know, you may have to have someone come in for dinner. But, but chances are all of that care is not going to be more than four hours a day. So at $25 an hour, that means that you can get that care for $100 a day, right? Or times seven, $700, or times 365, $36,500. So if for that amount of care, every single day, it's going to cost you about $36,500. So then say to yourself, if your health were declining, how, ma- how many years of care do you want to budget for? Because typically, if you are declining, that decline is going to is going to kind of proceed, and at some point you're not going to be able to live in the house. But if you were saying thirty six thousand five hundred dollars is what you need, and say you were budgeting for three years worth of care, 
your budget then is going to be a little over $100,000, right? So like with the possible modifications to your home, you want to look at that bill and then say to yourself, so where's that money going to come from? Yeah. Once again, there are two possibilities. Either you've got it in savings, whether it's you know tax-deferred savings through an IRA or through your regular savings, or you've got this house. And once again, say to yourself, what is the point of this house? If the point of my life for the rest of my life is to, is to live in this house until I die, then you want to have, make sure that you have enough money so that you can continue to safely live there. And so you can provide for it through a home equity line of credit or through a reverse mortgage. Those are the two possibilities that will allow you to use your house um, as the way in which you can stay in your house until you die. Exactly. Yeah. Now, should I consider long-term care insurance? That's a question that we hear all the time. All the time. All the time. And no matter what your age, don't say no to yourself. Don't say no to yourself. Don't assume that you don't qualify for long-term care insurance because of your age. Now, that said, it is definitely harder to get long-term care insurance um, if you are over 70. So long-term care insurance is something that you want to be considering when you are younger. And once again, it's just like, it's just insurance. It's the same thing as life insurance. It gets more and more expensive the older that you get, right? So you may want to consider it. The, the, the importance of long-term care insurance that I always uh, emphasize to people, while the name seems to suggest that you're really buying the policy so you can cover nursing home care, right? You don't really have to worry about your nursing home care because if you need nursing home care, you can almost always qualify for MassHealth, the Massachusetts name for the Medicaid program. And obviously, you'd want to talk to your elder law attorney about that you know, to understand how that would work, but, but typically you can. The problem in your life that you want to take care of is rather not the cost of the nursing home care, but the cost of staying at home. Because, of course, that's your goal, to never have to go to a nursing home. You want to stay at home. Right. And while there is a program, there is a state program through, through MassHealth that will allow, if you qualify after passing various criteria, they will pay for some of your home care, right? That program is limited in that the only pro- home care providers that you can hire if you use those programs are typically providers that are certified through the area agency uh, called the ASAP, the Aging Services Access Point, uh, the area agency in which you are located. And typically, that's a limited pool. I know of some folks in some of the places where I work where they simply can never find enough home care workers that work through those agencies to take care of that, right? So that's the case where long-term care insurance can really help you. And if your goal, going back to the example I gave you, say that your goal is simply to make sure that if, if you get more frail, you can get to up to four hours of home care every day. That means that the total cost of the long-term care for a year is $36,500. Depending on how many years you want to buy the policy for, um, that's going to affect the total amount of your premium. But that's not a really expensive policy. 
It's not like you're buying a policy to pay nursing home care, which can cost you $500 a day, right? right? And you can limit the number of years that you might want to get coverage for. So long-term care insurance, to the extent that you are concerned about these issues and you don't want to have to think about them, right? And you don't want to be pulling money out of your savings and you don't want to put a mortgage on your house. This long-term care insurance is a worthwhile expenditure. And the younger that you get it, the cheaper the premium is going to be. Very helpful information and eye-opening. We've been talking with Arthur Bergeron, elder law attorney at Myrick O'Connell, on the issue of planning ahead to protect your home. And this is something that all of us need to think about. Arthur, I want to thank you for being a guest once again on On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Thanks so much. Howard, I, I, I really, really appreciate the time, and I hope people get something out of these conversations. Oh, I'm Thank sure you. they do, and, and I know they do. Quick question. How can folks contact you if they have questions about this or any other issue regarding elder care? So let me give you two contacts. Uh, one is my, my direct line, uh, which is 508-596-5526. That's my cell, or my office is 508 508- Eight six zero one four seven zero, or my email is a bergeron a b e r g e r o n at myrickoconnell dot com m i r i c k o c o n n e l l dot com. As you can probably tell from doing these shows with me, um, I love giving advice. Indeed. So people shouldn't hesitate to call. Indeed, you do, and and thank you so much, Arthur Bergeron, elder law attorney with Myrick O'Connell, with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. I'm Howard Kaplan. For Myrick O'Connell and Arthur Bergeron, take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. (laughs) 